You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here again with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the incorrigible Rich Wisniewski. What's up, Dave? And you know what? I know why you picked that name this today. It's true. It's because you declined my Kickstarter idea. <laughs> I totally put together this great hentai role-playing system, and I was like, let's launch this on Kickstarter. And you were like, no, dude, we can't do that. You just wouldn't let it go. <laughs> just <laughs> We'll see if I can get some private backers for this one. Oh, my God. You probably would. That's the terrifying yes. thing. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. And today, folks, we are joined by uh, a new guest of ours and a a friend of mine from another gaming community, Ryan. Dude, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And I I guess the real question here is if he is incorrigible, like with an E-N, or incorrigible with an I-N. It's both. I mean, honestly, (laughs) it's both. I'm just a whole world of mess. Fair enough. Well, uh, great to be here, guys. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Ryan, you and I know each other from a couple of gaming communities, mostly around like simulation gaming and that sort of thing. Real quickly for the audience, kind of give a sense for them, like what kind of gamer are you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm primarily interested in flight simulation and like tactical close combat, you know, military simulation stuff. Nice. Uh, My background is a little bit in aviation in real life, so I nerd out about all that. And also, you know, I love the battle techs, the don't get to play D&D and those kind of tabletop things as much as I wish I did. But, you know, super cool. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my, my gaming cred story here is, yeah, I loved Crimson Skies on Xbox. And oh, yeah. I, I used to work for this research lab in L.A., and my boss, I guess, knew Jordan Wiseman. So one day he says, hey, I've got this guy coming in. I need to do a demo of this project you're working on. And I didn't think much of it because we do that all the time. So I you know, show the thing and then I'm standing around just talking with this guy. And I don't know, about an hour later, I put together that that's the guy. And I was so thankful that I didn't realize that going into it because I totally would have like fanboyed and been awkward. (laughs) Oh yeah. I met Jordan Wiseman's story. He was a super cool dude. That is awesome. That is so cool. So yeah, you and I have geeked out a lot about Battletech in the past. Uh, Battletech obviously is a started off as a tabletop mech fighting game. And then I got into it because of the virtual reality game of Battletech Mm -hmm. that was put together by virtual worlds. So cool. You got to meet that guy. Yeah. And man, uh, one of the main things that got me into 3d printing coming back to what we're talking about today. Oh yeah. Our topic. Yeah. Yeah. Our topic is sort of do it yourself, 3d printers and 3d printer tuning and what to do once you get a stock machine and you don't love everything about it. Right. And really what got me into that community was the sim pit thing. So, you know, I, I, Never actually got to sit in one of the Battletech pods, but you know, when what? I was you know a, a kid, I was like, "This is such an awesome idea." Oh and you know, gosh. I've I've seen all the uh, what's the what's the Xbox game Steel Battalion. You know, oh Steel Battalion yeah, set up the, with the, the, the two controllers and the all yeah. the buttons, the huge control. Like the game was, I think, one hundred and fifty bucks because of the controller. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the one controller that didn't work for anything else. <laughs> I, this my, game will uh, go great. We super promise. <laughs> yes. My uh, my lawful good moment in life is that I, I used to work at a place that had a spare steel battalion controller <gasps> in a cardboard box in a storage closet. Oh, and wow. I didn't take it when I quit. And oh, my I, gosh. Like, yeah. Clearly, I shouldn't have. Because, you know, that thing was not <laughs> tagged in the inventory system. Oh, yeah. No, that was just like <laughs> in, in the back end. And I'm like, eh, it was the right thing to do. But I have regrets. Yeah. <laughs> I regret being the paladin for once. <laughs> yeah. But now that thing was super cool. So one of the things I love about sort of the, the crafty do it yourself electronics simpit thing is it's like this super cool community of people who just want to nerd out about like real and fictional user interface mm -hmm. clicky oh, button stuff. Definitely. How does it influence your simulator scene? So the thing that I really love about it is they are kind of the least painful kind of home machine you can really operate. Like you can, if you have a, a table saw, bandsaw, jigsaw, you know, all this uh, garage fab stuff, you really need a garage and you're throwing around sawdust and it's this big, complex kind of high overhead thing. But you can just stick a printer in the corner and as long as you've got an open window by it. And I mean, really, you don't even need the window, but it's a good idea. Mm -hmm, they're, mm -hmm. they're quiet. They don't really smell that much as long as you're using have you made mainstream a box? filaments. Have you made a box for it? Do you have yours? The enclosure? I don't have a box yet. It's on my list. Okay. I've got just curious. Yeah, there's this really fun idea for especially the like the Prusa clones. Like I oh, have yeah. a Maker Select, which is a, a monoprice rebrand of a one how clone of a Prusa. Yes. See, okay. I was, I, was telling, it, I was saying, you know, all right, there's the Prusa and everybody seems to make the Prusa and you like that sentence you just strung together of like, okay, this is a clone, but then it's a rebrand of a knockoff of a clone. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how a lot of this stuff works. I think somebody gets a good idea and it's, I've heard it's kind of hard to be on the manufacturing side, because the moment you have a good idea, somebody will clone it. Oh, yeah. But for, for us as hobby people, it's also super cool because the floor has really dropped out. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. It is so approachable from a financial perspective. Once you get a printer, mm -hmm. you know, once you select your printer and you've paid for the thing, going forward, your spend can be pretty light, which is great. Yeah. And... It's also like the cost of making a mistake is almost always pretty low because mm. I know guys who have CNC mills and that's yeah. awesome because you just bolt down a chunk of metal and chip away at it with a spinning blade and you get a thing. Sure. But if you mess up and like crash your head into the superstructure or something that can turn into a really expensive and wow. time consuming, time consuming mistake to correct. It, you know, the but, first thing I thought of was, oh, yeah, that bandsaw. Oh, yeah, my fingers like that mistake, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. like like you're absolutely right. The 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 um, people who like to make things, they have some choices <laughs> and yes. those choices come with possible repercussions. <laughs> they, they do indeed. I mean, I think everybody who monkeys around in a garage shop has at least one like, oh, my goodness, I almost hurt myself story. Right. And. There is still ways to hurt yourself on a printer. You know, I've, I've uh, scorched my fingers a couple times. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, because it's like hundreds you know. of degrees at the, at the nozzle. Like, it's not. Yeah. It's yeah, not, like, to, friendly <laughs> right there no. at that specific spot. <laughs> you 
No, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely one of these things that demands a little bit of respect, but you can totally do it safely. Mm-hmm. And it's quiet. You know, I live in a city in an apartment and I couldn't run a rotary tool in my apartment really without making my neighbors angry. But I don't think they even know I have like three printers. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Three printers. Is this also an obsession that happens that once you get one, you start getting another and you start you... getting another? I, I think so. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed about printers is while you're right that they are getting much more approachable, it's also the stuff that's inexpensive has pretty obvious limitations mm. and it doesn't take too long to, until you start thinking, oh, well, you know, if my bed was only just a little bit bigger or oh, if, yeah. if I could just move a little bit faster mm-hmm. without artifacts. Mm-hmm. And, and then so you, I, I, I say I have three printers. I really have two and a half printers because I had one printer and then another printer. And then, then that printer got enough stuff replaced on it that I have spare parts for <laughs> the inevitable third printer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's and, funny. But, like I remember on the printer form, somebody will say, look at all this like extruded metal I found. And people are like, oh my God, you could make the biggest printer because like beyond the structure of the printer, almost everything else can be printed or bought very cheaply off of Amazon you know, or off of one of the printer maker sites, you know, like I almost feel like the first printer you get almost immediately you go, Hey, I could just print up some mods. Yeah. That was essentially exactly what happened with my setup. I got this uh, maker select. I think it's a maker select V 2.1. They're all pretty similar, but I just started looking around and you know, one of the potential downfalls of the Prusa style printers, because they have that big vertical gantry, mm-hmm. is that can shake around. Mm. And, so, and, and when we say that, folks, the, you know, if you imagine the printer is really tall and it, that gantry is the tall part of the printer. Yeah. So it also just to help paint a picture here, the Prusa designs, if you haven't looked at them, the way the mechanics work, the bed actually slides forward and backward on rails. And then the print head that extrudes the plastic rides up and down on these lead screws mm-hmm. and then also slides side to side. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple different things moving. And one of the ways to make your prints better is to sort of dial in what's moving and what's not. So, yeah, there's, that's the story of how I came to be in the shop at my old job after hours grinding threaded rod down to length so I could build Whoa. these Well, struts. okay. Well, that, you know, I think our jumping off point here is a little <laughs> bit about making to make your printer, correct? So yeah, is that is that sure. a good first one to jump into is where you guys are going with this? I, I don't think it's a good first uh-huh. one. Uh, like there's this whole sort of slow progression and... I think it is entirely possible to buy a printer and have fun with it and make really cool stuff without worrying about this. Mm-hmm. Like the the off the shelf stuff is pretty darn good. Yeah. And especially for the price. Like I mean there are commercial machines that cost thousands of dollars and well, yeah, they're amazing and they come with support contracts and they will literally fly a guy out to work on your machine. <laughs> but you know, me and even you, even if it's your fault, not- even if you're like, I did a thing, they're like, all right, <laughs> yes. well, Henry is on his way and he's going to fix everything. <laughs> 
yes, and now sign the support contract check. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, it's... It's entirely possible to get really good results with like these uh, the Prusa clones, or there's a couple other sort of similar things. But you know, it's there's I would say there's several steps of improving things. Mm. Like one of the first things I did for the Maker Select is I printed a better part cooling fan, and oh. so this is important. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say because, that again. Oh, yeah. I don't think I understood exactly what you meant. Uh, yeah, so um, the way these FDM printers work, which is uh, deposition modeling, you squeeze a bead of plastic out of a tiny little nozzle. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the average ones are about half a millimeter, give or take. So you're you're heating plastic up and then pushing it through this nozzle and using that to build up things. And so you want the plastic to be hot enough that it runs so you can squeeze it through. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as it's squeezed through, you want it to harden up again so it stays where you put it. Yeah, you need it to almost immediately cool down. Yeah, and there's a little bit more subtlety to it than that. But that's, yeah, that's almost, that's the thing. And a lot of the inexpensive printers, they they are inexpensive because they cut corners and like they'll they'll basically have the easiest to manufacture version of whatever it is you want because they're doing it in volume and they have skinny margins. Yep. So, you know, if, if they can save 50 cents and they sell a hundred printers, okay, cool. They just made some money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so it's pretty easy to, you know, look at something and like the, the one that I had just kind of had a, a little slot with a fan behind it. So it's only blowing air in one direction and, Half of your print gets cooled really well and the other half doesn't, oh. which can lead to some funny artifacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not, I, I, I want to emphasize here that it's not unusable. It's just, you know, you start looking at it and you're like, oh, I could make that better. That's right. and, and then you go look on Thingiverse, which is a, a model repo. There's a couple other big ones, but Thingiverse is kind of the canonical one. And then, yeah, there's just search, you know, my brand of printer or part cooler, and there's probably 10 <laughs> options. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody skins the cat slightly differently. And like, and that's a really good point because I remember almost as soon as I got my printer, everyone was like, oh, you need to go print up the new, uh, uh, you know, cooler, uh, head as well. And I was like, what the heck? I just got this thing. But every printer has this is all right. There's the one that it came with. And then here's another way to get it to cool on, two sides or three sides or 360 even because it has like all the channels worked out just so so it can like try and get air into all sides of the model um, to help try and cool it down and then you're buying little teeny tiny uh computer fans right and affixing Mm -hmm. them to this uh this little thing so think about it like that yeah it's little computer fans pushing air through a set of channels okay towards where the plastic is yeah. yeah. And it's it's all stuff that you can get pretty inexpensively on Amazon or Newegg or whatever. Right. You know, I buy a lot of these. I think the, the brand is Noctua. They're like these high-end computer fans. And by high-end, I mean they cost 15 bucks instead of 5 bucks right. because they have better bearings. You could almost take the printer you bought and just go, you know what? I'm going to upgrade all the fans on this printer. And, yep. and just go out and buy better fans. Unscrew the old mm-hmm. ones, screw in new ones, plug everything back in. Oh, you're fine. Now you have better fans. Yeah. You know, like very simple upgrade. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, and it makes more impact than you'd think on the noise, especially. Mm-hmm. And if you go and buy the MakerBot, they've got the best fans in there. They've done these things, but you're going to pay a premium. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's a, a really good point is there is this spectrum of how much work do you want to put in yourself versus how much do you want to take something out of the box and go? And there's options all along that spectrum. And, and I want to say that like in other communities where modification happens quite heavily, that is a lot of times at the detriment of the device. So like, overclocking your computer Mm. or souping up your car. A lot of those mods, not all of them, but a lot of those mods strain the equipment, you know, beyond the normal operating parameters to get more out of it. And in this case, a lot of the 3D printer mods actually just improve efficiency all around. It's not like, oh, I'm straining this thing. No, I'm I'm making it handle heat better. making it move smoother so there's actually less wear and tear on the thing so a lot of this stuff is is a you know a very wholesome improvement uh, to the device not uh, not something that's gonna make you weigh do i do this mod is it gonna cause me problems later on because a lot of times the mod is a is a 100 improvement over what you got yeah i i do think like the first couple of times you take your machine apart it can be a little nerve wracking because especially if you're not someone who does a lot of physical stuff, you know, you're thinking, well, what if I break it? What if I get it wrong? Right. And okay, I'll own it. I've, I've definitely done a couple things wrong where I had to go order a part <laughs> and get it shipped in because I, I made a mistake and let the smoke out or whatever. You but, should um, see my drone. It's yeah. Been, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I really so many yeah. parts on it because I made a mistake like that building shouldn't yeah. have been in my way. Yeah. <laughs> So true, true story. There is a video clip that got shown of me setting a drone on fire that uh, yes. one of my old managers showed at South by Southwest one year. Oh, yes. nice. he, he was doing a talk on prototyping and making mistakes. And this was his thing to prove the point. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. There is some bravery associated with this. Like you can't you have to understand that you might end up having to replace a part or two. And that's OK. Yeah. That's OK. Yeah. And and I think there's also sort of a, a gradation of how much risk do you want to take? Because mm-hmm. like putting a new part cooler on, the very worst thing you're going to do is, OK, maybe you put it on in slightly the wrong position and it melts a little bit because it gets too close to the heater. And oh, well, you just make another one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's basically no risk and just a little bit of elbow grease. And then there's like rewiring all your stepper motors to use a different controller. Mm, that sounds like and something you've done. Yeah, I might know a thing about that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I actually zero damage on that one, but it was a little nerve wracking. So to tell, to talk about that real quick, the stepper motors folks, as the printer is making its changes, like moving the bed, there's a little motor that's making that bed move. And that's the stepper motor. And then moving the head up and down, side to side, those are all stepper motors. And so there's a, uh, whatever your printer is, you can go out and find improvements or ways of improving the motors that exist or just replacing those motors with better motors um, that I, again, make Finer it smoother. detail. Yep. And it allows yep. for smoother models. And mm-hmm. there's another thing in there in that, it, it, yes, both of those things. And it changes your resolution capabilities. Because Uh some printers can only get so fine a detail because of the quality of the motor. 
And so then you can say, okay, well, I have this printer. I like the shape of it. I'm doing fine. I really want to get more out of it. If I replace these four or five motors, I can get super fine detail out of it because the motors allow that. Yeah. And also the driver chips. Mm -hmm. And I don't know all the detail on, you know, the the best driver to buy this today, Mm -hmm. but there is a whole community out there. And if you, if you search around and especially the folks who use sort of more custom driver boards will be happy to have all have very strong opinions. So, and the, the ways they differ are things like micro stepping, which is using a very specific type of control signal to the motor to kind of hold it halfway or, or take oh, smaller steps, interesting. which again gets back to the resolution. Yeah. Interesting. So where would you go to find out information about, these specific things. I feel like, you know, if someone's listening, they can hear, okay, there's these communities, but where are some places to go if they want to really get into, I want to make sure I've got the right controller. I want to make sure I'm in a place that has good information about motors, all of that stuff. Are there a couple of sites that really zero in on these things? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot of them and I don't want to claim that like I know the best ones, but I will definitely uh, point out some of the ones that have been really helpful to me. So the one that I found when I first got my printer was called 3dprinterwiki.info. Okay. That's pretty easy. And it's a wiki yeah. about 3d printers. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the story here is that there was a, a guy who had gotten really into hacking on these, uh, one, how duplicator printers, which is, you know, I got a clone of that. So, uh, b- because, he had actually sort of uh, developed a relationship with one how a little bit, I think, and had just started putting together all these info pieces. And, you know, it has a, you know, right at the top safety notices, like, Hey, if you got this particular version, you might want to make this small change. And then it gets down into like, here's the easy mods you can do. Here's the intermediate mods you can do. Here's the, I that, like the things rating. that are more involved. That is super I helpful. I like the rating. Yeah. That way you can start into this with your little toe before you jump mm-hmm. in up to the waist. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't entirely accurate. It's not really rated by difficulty. I'm just looking at it again now, but it does kind of go through and, and sort of start at the easy things and then get more and more involved. Nice. nice. So there's still a progression. And yeah. I think that having that, a page like that that can give you an overview. You can see a lot of times in the pictures, like, oh man, this guy is getting really in there with like, you know, really fine tooth stuff in order to make this change. Mm-hmm. Or no, this looks like a basic part swap, you know? Yeah. And there's also a lot of really good resources for tuning. Like I hadn't seen that ultimate calibration guide oh. that you guys linked. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I'd seen things like it, but I hadn't seen that specific one. Yeah. And there's a lot of really good things in there. There's also the slicer software slicer. Um, Simplify 3d has a sort of tuning. And if you're seeing this happening wrong, here's what you need to look at thing. Oh yeah. And I don't even use Simplify 3d, but it's a really good guide. And you know, makes me think kind of a little more fondly of them. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, and wh- that's a really good point that a lot of times when you print something and you see a mistake, there's someone out there who has written a guide about that specific mistake <laughs> and said, Oh, yeah, you need and, better cooling or you need better this or that. 
And I was so happy when I found the Simplify 3D one because they actually have pictures. So it's not just a textual description yeah. of like, you know, because some of the terminology can be a little finicky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, is, is that blobbing or is that over extrusion or what do you call that? Mm -hmm. And seeing the visual glossary of, okay, that's curling and that's blobbing, you know, kind of helps you figure out what information to then look for even more information on. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it is like, it, it has its own vocabulary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You have to learn all that stuff. So we'll definitely link to the um, to that guide as well. Just if nothing else to have good visual representation of problems and what they're called. Yeah. And the other thing is these little nozzles that you squeeze the plastic through come in different sizes. Yes. So you can get a bigger nozzle and print faster, bigger, and the trade-off is oh, less detail. Yeah. Like your corners won't be quite as square. Yeah. 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 But like I'm building this helicopter collective, which is it's basically the lever that you pull on to adjust yep. how high you're flying. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. so I've just been putting that together for parts. And I had a couple of big enclosures where I needed to you know, stick a circuit board in there and put some holes for cables. And it doesn't need to be super accurate. Right. It just needs to kind of screw together. Right. It needs to be big so, enough to, to hold the stuff. And it, and it, the whole thing is like a big handheld object, right? With a uh, actuator, not actuators, but things for your fingers to be clicking on and all that stuff. So yeah, that's much bigger yeah. than like a mini or like making yeah. a die. You need a, you need, you're making a tool that you're going to be holding in your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, really the, the part I wanted to build bigger and faster was the kind of base station that this thing, you know, it's a, it's a lever, right? So just think a joystick only it only moves in one direction. Yeah. Like a, like your hand so, in your car. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. And so I needed to build a sort of a solid base that, you know, I'm, I'm using some extruded aluminum for the part that like sits on the floor, mm, mm -hmm. but I don't have a full machine shop, so I can't just <laughs> go and like build pillow blocks and whatever. So right. I'm kind of, uh, you know, one of my design constraints is I want to be able to build this like inexpensively in my apartment. So I'm you know, squeezing out plastic and I, I built a bigger printer specifically to do things like that. Nice. Wow. Nice. Um, and, and did you, when you built your own printer, you kind of sourced your own parts and, and really constructed the what? thing from the ground up. Um, it started life as a sort of inexpensive kit from AliExpress. Yes. Oh, Actually wow. full on Alibaba. Yes. So, yeah. So basically it's one of these things where it was easier as somebody who doesn't know all the ins and outs to start with a kit that had, you know, at, at least a low quality version of everything already in the box. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I ordered this thing and, you know, it took like a month to get here from, from China. Cause on the boat. But, yeah. Yeah. On, on the, <laughs> on the slow boat for the cheap shipping. Yep. But it shows up and the documentation is not in the most fluent English and so on and so forth. But all the parts were there. So I was able to put it together and make it work. And then, you know, I immediately said, oh, well, the controller is kind of it's not one of the open source ones. So I couldn't really change anything about mm -hmm. it. So I think the first thing I did was uh, go out and buy it's called a duet board which runs uh, the open source RepRap firmware, 
has the stepper drivers and all this stuff at kind of a high prosumer level, I guess you'd say. Nice. And I went, found, found one of those just, and that's just a cable swap, like unplug the, the brains, plug in the new brains, and then spend an evening reading all the documentation. And there's like 50 different parameters you need to set. Oh, really? And, you know, you can do silly things like get your direction of travel wrong. So it tries to go home and ends up going over to the far side. And then the motor <laughs> is skipping and it's making horrible noises oh, and yeah. you unplug it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this specific calibration, super important. And you really got to go through with a fine tooth comb and be like, all right, this is definitely my home position. And this is how you get to the center. You know, yes, <laughs> like not not going the and, other way, but to the middle or whatever, to the other and, corner. But the, the good thing is, because all this stuff is pretty low speed and pretty low mass and low voltage, mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to hurt it or you. Right. It's going to click at you and you're like, oh, it's doing yeah. something wrong. I'm going to go in and change this thing. I know it's the mm -hmm. I know it's the motor for the bed or it's the motor for the left, right on the head. You know, like I know which motor it is because it's the one that's clicking. That's the one I got to change the parameter on. Yeah. Yeah. And the documentation is usually really good because one of the cool things about this community being so popular in the last, I don't know, five years or so is there's a whole lot of resources and it's you're almost never like alone facing a thing that you're the first person in the world to face. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it, it's almost like a cookbook in a lot of ways. How much time did you spend researching these parts before you purchased them? Like, did you go to the communities and read through the the whole thing before you selected the duet? Or is it like, no, just everybody used the uses the duet? I definitely did some reading. So another resource I'll throw out is the um, slash R slash 3D printing on Reddit. Oh, yeah. Has a, a pretty good sort of community they do these question and answer threads where i think it's once a week they just put up an open thread where people can ask questions and get feedback mm -hmm. and there's also a discord that i don't think is officially related to 3d printing uh, the, the the reddit but you know some of the same people are there and you can find it through the the reddit i think there's a post on it if you search like 3d printing discord we'll, we'll link to um, all those things um yeah. just to make it easier for people to get hooked into these communities and by the a way absolutely am i going to go really old school who here remembers usenets oh yeah oh yeah i oh, mean yeah. is reddit just like the new usenets is that, is that really what's going on? Remember like alt.networking.banyan, you know what I mean? Or alt.2600. I mean, you, you know, yep. there were just all these great groups you were part of. They disappeared. Yahoo started some groups thing. And now we're all just talking about slash this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I totally talk to people. I'm like, yeah, you go to r slash r slash Gen Con yeah. or blah, blah, blah. For sure. Yeah. And it's definitely possible to get pretty good with sort of pretty low effort if you're willing to throw some money at it or if you're trying to save a ton of money you can do a lot more research so there's this trade show thing called i think midwest rep rap festival and it's sort of a trade show slash community gathering slash you know mini maker fair that's all about 3d printing yeah. oh, and i guess these guys <laughs> no <laughs> so i mean i think kind of the the key takeaway beyond like, oh, this guy on this podcast is trying this one specific thing is that like, if you're kind of interested in tuning, 
this rabbit hole goes really deep. Right. And it sounds like going to a 3D printer convention is almost just par for the course. Like you find a couple of websites that have some pretty straightforward improvements to your printer and that kind of thing. But, you know, after a little bit, you're going to probably want to go to one of these conventions and just see what other people are doing, have a bunch of frank discussions about how they're doing their stuff and what kind of products they're working on or, or, or like using and assess for yourself whether or not that would be a benefit to your, to your application for the printer. For sure. And I think the other kind of group to make sure and, and talk about is these maker spaces that a lot oh, of towns have now. Yeah. 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 I was lucky enough to live in, in Tempe, Arizona for a few years. And there's a group out there called Heat Sink Labs in Mesa that is really, really good. So when I was learning about all this, I had the benefit of talking to those guys a fair bit. And you know, folks, we, we've been talking about like Lego gaming and Lego festivals and the local Lego lugs, local, you know, Lego user groups and all that kind of stuff. This is the same idea, right? It's wherever you're at, there are other people out there very close to you physically that live in your town and they love this thing too. And it's really nice to have some local support and some local ideas. Yeah. And, and sometimes you learn about things that like, you know, I started going to that thing when I was in grad school just to talk to people about quadcopters and 3D printers. And I ended up meeting this woman who was building an electron microscope from scratch what? in their back room. What? what? Yeah. What? Right. Like, how cool is that? That is crazy cool. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to do that myself, but just, you know, rubbing elbows with somebody who's into that was a really cool experience. Wow. Now, someone is going to tell me it wasn't actually, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a legit electron microscope of some kind. Wow. That's amazing to me. That's so cool, man. I, I'm loving this. Like, I've, I'm already uh, looking at the duet and um, I got to find my local makerspace now. Like, look, David now has five <laughs> new upgrades to do. I do Just from one episode. <laughs> I do. And, yeah, no, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I do kind of need a new cooler and I do kind of need. <laughs> so, and you know, one of the things I'm taking away, this was not an episode I necessarily could just sit down and prep for. Like I, I prep all the time, um, you know, so I was kind of coming into this with a little bit of looking and um, it really sounds like you find the community around your printer too. As you mentioned, this 3D printer wiki.info, what lent itself to be so great was this guy was kind of on the same path you were on. And so even though you may, or not you, even though someone may go great site, love this for 3d printers. When you really dig down to it, they might find another, another person might find one that's really great because of its focus. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we've been really focusing a lot here on the rep rep printers or the FDM printers, but like the SLA and Photon style printers, they also have their own sites doing all of these same mods, I'm certain. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm really interested in getting into this. I don't have one yet, but it's like I have almost pushed the buy button about three times. We're going to get there <laughs> for, for getting your own SLA printer. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah, there's there is a couple of these pretty inexpensive SLA printers that are are super cool. Like the, I guess the AnyCubic Photon is the one that everybody's excited right now because I think 
on Amazon, they're less than five hundred dollars. Okay, yeah, I mean, hold on, hold on. What is this printer? I got to go look while we're talking. Just do, just search up Photon 3D printer, Photon, and you'll see. Yeah. Three, how do you spell 3D? Photon 3D. <laughs> Holy smokes! Now, okay, so here's the deal. UV photo curing. Yep, 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 yep. It is a small printer. Right, we've been talking on this episode specifically about oh, yeah. the size of the bed. Four by kind of a, a well, hold on, four by. Yep. Oh, okay, it has a height. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Four four point seven two inches long, two point six inches wide, and yep. six point one inches high. You know what? That's perfect for. That's a mini, bro. That's minis. That's, that's a mini. mini. Yeah, that's brew. I could make some great minis in that size. But you go couldn't on. make a dragon as one piece. You'd, You'd have make to a make a wing and a wing yeah, and a yeah. body and a tail and yep yep, yep. but know, a person a, yep. you know a, a person holding a wizard staff or something yeah perfect and it's it's lower priced right under five hundred for the for the SLA style printers that's really good my understanding is that a lot of those SLAs are like easily a thousand dollars I imagine that the mod community for the photon has got to be either geared up already or gearing up since the photon has gotten so cheap. Yeah, there is some cool things out there. And what I find really interesting about these printers is that, so they're smaller, but they can make really tiny features really accurately. Yeah. So earlier we were talking about essentially squeezing plastic through a nozzle. Mm -hmm. So just think like a hot glue gun on a smaller scale, but these things use, it's a high resolution LCD screen. I think it's out of a, like adapted from a smartphone or what? something. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So it's, it's literally the liquid crystal from like a cell phone scale video screen. Only rather than like a backlight and diffuser and all that, they pull that off and just glue it to a, a clear sheet. And then I think the photon just has ultraviolet um, LEDs under it. Yes. What the and that's what? how they make it so cheap. Yes. So they use the screen to focus the LEDs. It's not even like, it doesn't even, I mean, I guess in the end it makes a laser because it's a focused beam of light, but it really is like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even realize it was a, it was like a, you know, a, a retina display from a cell phone or something like that. Yeah, that's I, I don't know exactly the part number, but yeah, and that's how they are so much cheaper than like a Formlabs printer, because wow. the the Form Two, which is I think like three or four grand, yeah. and it, I think that was an MIT team, and they did a Kickstarter, and now they have an office up in San Francisco, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a really cool printer, and I totally want to play with one. And someday. you can get one for the low uh, price of three thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. That's kind of on the scale of, yeah, boss, we need one of these for prototyping. Yeah. And so <laughs> you convince so your forth. boss so that you can make your own stuff. The, and, and, but that one uses like legit lasers, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a legit like laser with a galvanometer. And uh, sorry, Galvo is just like a little magnetic coil flipping a mirror around, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I have not had one apart, so I can't guarantee, but I think it's a laser with some actuated mm-hmm, mirrors. That makes sense. And... Yeah, so they can sort of expose this UV resin by zapping it with a laser. So I think it might be a little faster to cure. I'm not quite sure how the trade-off works. Whereas, yeah, these photons, it's it's just there's a flat bed and they move it up just a hair so that this resin can kind of flow in because it's mm-hmm, a liquid. Mm-hmm. 
and then they mask you know the area that they don't want to harden by turning the pixels yes. dark on the, the phone screen yes. i love it dude i love it yeah and and because the pixels are so tiny you can yeah i think minis are are well in uh well in scope yeah. for that and there's i know there's a community of people doing that i, so. I always feel like Somebody's going to come along and be like, well, okay, so it's just a cell phone screen. What if I use my tablet screen and hack the crap out of this thing? <laughs> oh, wow. You know, yeah. like if, it, if, if, mm-hmm. the, if the base technology is already there and, you know, these screens, they're all made in the same, like, I don't know, 100 mile radius. They're all in the same factories. You know, I would, I would imagine that to scale that up, they would just need to go out and get a tablet sized screen or bigger, you know, Um yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool for the future of that oh, that man. approach to the photon printing. Yeah, it's one of these things like early con- like this generation of consumer VR was able to get so good so fast because people were already making all these cell phone screens that just happened to be super high that's resolution true. and pretty easy to that's drive. True. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, and so it's kind of the same thing. And yeah, there's mods you can get. Like I think the photon has its own sort of little embedded computer Mm -hmm. that That drives it. But there's also ways you can like unplug that and use a Raspberry Pi instead, I think. And (laughs) I'm not sure if that's for the Photon, but I know there's the uh, the Wanhao Duplicator 7, I think, is kind of the same idea. Wow. And there's, yeah, somebody wrote a custom Raspberry Pi firmware where you actually drive the HDMI port on the Pi with the mask you want. Okay, yeah. So I yeah. told, uh, I think the second episode of this, I talked about using a Pi as your printer server, basically. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, the OctoPrint program. But I, I blo- it blows me away that someone's like, well, OctoPrint's nice and all. How about driving the printer itself? <laughs> I, I could do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. There's some really neat stuff out there. Oh, and so- because it's so, you know, the dot pitch you can get is so mm-hmm. tight, you can actually get surface finish that looks good for a real mini where you can, you know, see, see faces and things. Well, that's really cool. Ryan, I'm really glad that we could kind of take a second and look at modifying printers and in a a viable path to making your own printer. That's always been something that to me seemed like unattainable, but I like your approach of, well, buy a cheap, cheap kit and then, <laughs> and then I have everything here. The bones are I'm here. Amazed. I'm just going to replace this with that and then replace this with that. And it becomes a project car, you know, like a, like a, oh, car. yeah, oh, that is such a good yeah. metaphor. That yes. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Like my neighbor, he has a, yeah. I don't know, like a civic or something and he keeps messing with it. And I know he <laughs> bought that thing for nothing, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he sits there and tweaks it and tweaks it. It's the exact same idea with these printers. The next I, thing you know, he's on the road blowing away Tesla's. Oh, yeah. Yes, which is which is yeah. That's yeah. What he, that's his goal, I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, well, dude, uh, Ryan, I, I'm really appreciative of your time and knowledge here. This is something that is well beyond like my scope so far and what I've been able to accomplish in the in the space. So I'm really glad you're able to come on and shed some guidance in this area. Sure thing, man. Thank you for inviting me on. It's it's great to kind of talk about stuff and pay it forward a little bit because I only know what I know because I spent a ton of time listening to other people who said what they said and yeah and you know oh hey that guy knows that and talk to that and google that and suddenly you sound like you know what you're talking yeah, about yeah and I'll say that and maybe your printer even works <laughs> it goes from busted to working <laughs> yeah and and I'll yeah. say that that's 
one of the big reasons why we do this podcast is because, you know, Rich and I have been in the gaming scene for a long time. We're paying it forward. And the community that Mm -hmm. emerges around that has given Rich and I way more knowledge than we would have ever had on our own. You know, and even in the scant Mm -hmm. 3D printing episodes, we've got the comments and feedback there has already given me new insights. Mm -hmm. And this is just one of those things that it feels very good, like you say, to pay it forward. And it's just, you know, 100% benefit all around. But dude, uh, Ryan, again, man, thanks a ton for coming on. This has been a, a real delight. And I'm really glad we got to cover this topic. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. It's been a blast. Ryan, great to meet you, man. And good to meet you, too. All right. Well, everyone, thanks a ton for listening. And as always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Thank you.